Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. Hello, James. Hello, Ian. We're with Echo journalist Paul Ghost. Hi, Paul. Hi, Ian. Hello. And we also special, special guest, very special <laughs> guest. We have the head of sports, our leader, David Prentice. Hello, Dave. Hello, Ian. You OK? I'm not bad. I believe that you're very OK and you have something special to tell us, don't you? Uh, yes, this is a special Blood Red podcast. And it's special because obviously we're reflecting on the first action of pre-season over the water last night at Tranmere, as well as looking ahead to the next friendly at Wigan. But also because we're bringing you this podcast in association with Harry's Shaving Products. Now, that's quite appropriate because like Liverpool, Harry's razors are German engineered. Now, I know that sounds like a cheesy script I'm reading now, so we're not going to do that because uh, they've been very upfront, Harry's, which Blood Red always is. They've sent us the introductory pack to sample ourselves. I say ourselves, I've claimed it. Uh, but it is very, very good. Uh, the gel, how can I describe gel? It's rich, it's smooth, it's, uh, it foams really well. My son pinched it regularly, so it suggests it's very good. But the razors themselves give a very, very smooth shave. I've enjoyed using them. As the lads can see, you can't hear, but you know, so <laughs> I am very, very clean shaven. I've enjoyed using them so much, I'm going to order a replacement. Uh, so you can support our podcast by going to harrys.com forward slash bloodred to claim a trial set of your own, should you wish, for two ninety five. More than 3 million guys in the USA use Harry's, and you can get started by getting your trial set delivered, which includes a razor handle, a five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and a travel blade cover. So go to harrys.com forward slash bloodred to do that. That's harrys.com forward slash bloodred. Right, on to the action. David, <laughs> David Smooth James, you're very smooth, James, as always. And you smoothly moved into Prenton Park on Thursday, Wednesday night, sorry. Saw Liverpool begin their pre-season preparations with what in the end was a routine victory. I mean, last season they went there and won 1-0. 4-0 this time, were they four times better than they were last year? It was a much better game this time around. Yeah, it was It was more of a contest. Um, yeah, I think it, it helped. Obviously, last year there was a lot of players still coming back, I think, on the back of the major championships, which, which meant that you know he didn't have the, the kind of talent on, on show that he, that he, that he did on, the, on this occasion. Um, and yeah, it was, a, to be honest, it was... It was you know, I'm not a massive fan of pre-season friendlies, to be honest, but it was, as far as they go, it, it wasn't a bad one. And um, I think what was most impressive was that, you know, certainly a stronger team in the, in the first half, but even the second half lineup, you know, did, you know, a lot of players in that in that team, some of whom probably aren't still going to be at Liverpool come the start of the season, um, equipped themselves really well. And, you know, there were some big standout performances, you know, personally, you know, one of the highlights of the first half was was Jordan Henderson seeing him back in a Liverpool shirt, and you know, uh, obviously the the opposition was relatively modest, but you know he he looked lean and fit and raring to go. You know, his his first Liverpool outing for five months, um, and you know he dictated play and and kept Liverpool on the front foot for, for that entire first half. I mean, Paul, do you think that Henderson was somebody that Liverpool missed towards the end of last season? I mean, they got the job done in the end, finishing the top four, but would it have been a lot easier if Henderson had been available? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you miss your captain for three months of any any season, it's obviously going to be a, a struggle. And the way he sort of dictates play from, from deeper as he was last season, um, orchestrating the play, he, he was a big miss in the, in, the, uh, in the midfield. I know Christian Walsh sort of did a piece last week <clears throat> saying Henderson... Is, is you know kind of going to be like a new signing because he missed such a, a vital run in 
Liverpool missed three months of, of the season, you know, towards the back end when it, it really was crunch time. So I think seeing him back was, was a, a great bonus. Um, and obviously Dominic Solanke got, got some minutes under his belt, um, made his debut. So I think there was plenty of positives last night. Um, also, you know, the likes of Ben Woodburn and uh, Ryan Kent. Um, he, he surprised me, actually. He had a really good game second half. Um, so there's plenty of positives to take, really. I mean, Prina, you've obviously seen more pre-seasons than probably the rest of us put together, to be honest with us. <laughs> but, you know, what, what do we tend to take from these games? Not just this game in particular, but just looking at you know the, the opening few games as a whole, because there's a lot of players, as James said, that won't be there at the start of the season. There's not a great deal you can take from them. They are fitness exercises, you know, first and foremost. That's all it is. Um, although you can build a little bit of confidence, you know, by getting a few, you know, decent results. I mean, you look at was it last summer when Liverpool beat Barcelona at Wembley, and then they went into the new season absolutely flying. Uh, they they can have that effect, you know, depending on the opposition, of course. For me, the most significant thing about last night, uh, and there's not much significance you can draw in a you know preseason game against you know a non-league side, a decent non-league side, admittedly. But it was just you know, a couple of the areas that are still to be filled. We talked about Solanke, and he's the only new signing this summer. And obviously Dejan Lovren was missing because of injury, and you immediately realise that Liverpool aren't well-blessed in that area of the field. And I know that means going over the Virgil van Dijk ground all over again, but it does underline how short Liverpool are in that area of the field, how they need uh, somebody in there urgently, really, as a matter of priority if they're going to make you know, a decent fist of you know, the Champions League and uh, you know, Premier League. And why Virgil van Dijk is absolutely well suited. I know they've said you know they've ended interest in that player. I would humbly suggest they should revive their interest in him. I think we may touch on van Dijk again <laughs> a little bit later on. I suspect in more podcasts to come. But James, I wrote yesterday before the game about there being one Liverpool player who kind of slipped under the radar last season. He was Jurgen Klopp's first signing was Marco Krujic, and he's obviously scored the goal. The, I think it's the second goal. And he had a good game overall, and you spoke to him after the game, didn't you? And he seemed fairly upbeat. Yeah, he did, and you know, rightly so. He, you know, I think he, he he spoke really well about wanting to kick on this season and, and feeling that he's much better equipped to to challenge for a starting spot than he than he was a year ago. I mean, he was he made a big impression in pre-season last year. Um, I remember he scored at Fleetwood, Huddersfield, and then was that looping header at, at Wembley, completing that route at Barcelona was was the the real highlight. But then, you know, he had a lot of competition for places. You know, obviously with with Aldum and and Lalana and Henderson and Chan for company, um, and then just when he felt as if he was just kind of getting a, a bit of a leg up, you know, he, he then damaged his hamstring tendon, and that was an injury that, that affected him for you know a good half of the season, and he struggled to get back. I think he only made two starts in all competitions, six substitute appearances, um, but he yeah, he said that even even when he wasn't playing towards the back end of the season, when he was fit, he, he felt as if he was learning and developing from. From working with Klopp, and you know, he's. I, I really like Gruwich. I, I, you know, I know obviously all the talk is you know about Naby Keita and needing to strengthen in that area, but I think he he could become a real big option for Klopp this season because you look at him and he's got everything you'd want in a midfielder in the Premier League. You know, he's he's big, he's strong, uh, powerful. You know, doesn't get bullied. Even even at Prenton Park, you know, he showed that range of passing, the way that he can switch play, um, and he's got a great shot on him as well. You know, that was that was comfortably the highlight of the evening, the way that he whipped that twenty-five yarder into the bottom corner, um, and 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 yeah, he's you know he's a, he's a confident lad as well, um, and I, I think I think this could be a big season for Gruwich. I was going to ask this question, Preno. 
what James just mentioned then is that he thinks big things for Greenwich this season. Liverpool have got Henderson coming back. There's Emery Chandler, okay, he's still not signed the contract. Yeah. And then, you know, that's before we mentioned Wijnaldum and you could argue Lallana and Coutinho can play in there. Why are Liverpool going for Keita? Do, do they need another central midfield? Uh, they midfield they don't know. Funny enough, I was thinking that only myself this afternoon, that um, Keita, you know, seems to be a luxury, you know, a player, okay, great player from what we've seen. Uh, obviously, I'm not an expert on the Bundesliga, but, you know, you know, the stuff that we've seen from him looks like a very, very talented lad. But an area of the pitch where Liverpool are quite well blessed, other areas of the pitch they're not, and that would, you know, should be more of a priority. Um, I think you just got to look at the number of fixtures Liverpool are hopefully going to, you know, uh, compete in next season. For the Champions League campaign to be successful and to get out of the group stages, you know, that's going to put huge demands on the Premier League campaign. There's the cup competitions as well, and you effectively need... You know, almost like a backup team, you know, so players that can come in and replace players that have played on the Wednesday night in the Champions League and be just as effective in the uh, in the Premier League the following weekend. I mean, Mo Salah has, has been bought in an area where Liverpool already have what you would call an established, you know, threesome, and people are trying to work out how that's going to be, uh, you know, sort of fitted in. And I don't think he will be fitted in. I think he's just an option that you know, so Jurgen Klopp can call upon when necessary, and that will be, you know, hopefully frequently. Provided Liverpool get into the group stages, which I'm sure you know we all hope and think they will. I mean, Paul, is it a matter of Liverpool then, as, as Dave's saying, is the perhaps building from a position of strength in that area? Because you can never have too many good <coughs> players, can you? Yeah, undoubtedly, I think Klopp's kind of established who he wants early on, and there hasn't been many other reporters than what we already know with Naby Keita and Virgil Van Dijk and you know Salah and Julian Brandt. They were the, the two players who were sort of linked for that wide left position. But I think Klopp sort of. Picked who he wants early, and he thinks they'll improve the first team, and then it's up to uh, to the rest of the team to to show that you know they they still want to place. I don't think it's a case of just buying for for buying sake and just adding half a dozen players that you know that just end up being stockpiled and maybe sold eighteen months down the line. I think Klopp has you know established who he wants and and there is men. To be fair, it was always a Liverpool. Uh, if, if you like, ideal um, in the 70s and 80s that you know when they were winning absolutely everything in sight and had a team and a squad that you would think you know is the best in the league and they would always add somebody quality every single year. It was just it was weird and people used to you know shrug and think you know why have they done that and it is you know when you've got a really really good squad at the time to add to it as well and just you know throw down a market if you like to your challenges. So you, know, you can't have too many good players in your squad. James, Paul mentioned Julian Brandt then, and he was obviously the first choice for the, the winger that Jurgen Klopp wanted. He ended up getting... Uh, how are we pronouncing his name, by the way? Is it Salah? I think it is Salah, isn't it? Mohamed Salah? No? If, are we, are we saying you, that? Are we if saying you, that? If, you t- you, if you're telling me that's true, Ian, we'll I, I, that. I've been led to believe that is the case. Uh, but Salah who, to who, me. Who, who <laughs> is the alternative? Very says Dagleish. Dagleish. Dagleish, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he... Who, who's the alternative to Cater? There will be one. Do we have any idea? Well, or, or, I think, or is it just the fact that because Cater is he's so keen on him, they're ready to yeah. just put everything out for him? I think it's more that. I think, a bit like what Dave said earlier about, I, I think it's a very different situation at centre-half than, than centre-midfield. I think Cater is looked upon by Klopp as such a special player and such a complete midfielder that you can just do everything that if he can't get Keita, I don't necessarily think it follows that he will. there'll be a plan B to Keita, because I'm not sure he thinks there is someone out there who is slightly, you know, not, not as good at, at doing everything that, that Keita does. I think he may well look at it and think, do you know what, I've probably, I've probably got enough in that area. But there's no doubt, centre-half, it, it has to be a concern, because 
you know, if you said to me who was the priority out of Keiter and Van Dijk, I'd, I'd definitely say Van Dijk because, you know, again, with Lovren being out, you know, he could miss the Wigan game on Friday night as well. You know, tightness in a, in a leg muscle. Um, you know, he had, didn't, didn't train with the squad on Thursday at Melwood. Um, and then, you know, that leaves Liverpool then with, you know, they obviously had Matip and, and Lucas in that first half. You know, obviously Joe Gomez. We all hope for big things from him this season, but you know a lot to expect. Um, you know, you, can't, you know, you know, you can't really push too much pressure on him after you know the best part of two years out of his career. And then Ragnar Klavan, who you know at the moment you're going into the Premier League season with Klavan probably as the third choice centre back. And I don't see how you can do that if you if you're serious about challenging for the title. I was going to say, that's how they started last season, wasn't it? And Clavin yeah, started, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, I think that's, and that's not a slight on Clavin because I think, you know, what was he, four million quid from Augsburg? I think he more than delivered on what you could have expected from him last season. I think he played a lot more football than anyone probably thought he would do because Matip and Lovren had, had their injury issues. Um, but, yeah, that would concern me. You know, it, what is he now? 30 going on 31, I think. You know, he's... I don't think he's going to get any better, Klavan. I think he is a squad player, but you know, I, I think you need three proper frontline centre halves. And you know, if Van Dijk doesn't happen, then Liverpool, I think they, if they don't spend big on another centre half, it'll be a big mistake. Paul, I mean, we're only two weeks, less than two weeks into the into the transfer window, and judging from the notifications that I'm getting from Liverpool fans <laughs> on Twitter, and James will be a lot worse. That you, you would think that it's you know August the thirty first, it's ten fifty five in the evening, and all these Liverpool fans are getting ready to jump off into the mercy of the thought. <laughs> but are you worried yet in any way? Because you look at it now, and you think the last week, all the other clubs are starting to make the moves. Arsenal signed Lacazette, City are signing a few players. It's only really Tottenham, and they're about to sell the player to, to Man City. And Everton obviously done an awful lot of business. Are you getting concerned yet? No, I wouldn't be overly concerned about what other teams are doing. I think there's still a month before Liverpool get underway against Watford. Um, so there's plenty of time for, for Liverpool to you know, go after who they want. And it's, it's been clearly established who they are. Um, and all it takes is you know, one day for it to change dramatically and a signing could be wrapped up within the week. So um, I think... From the Liverpool fans' perspective, I think some are getting, you know, a little bit too uh, too anxious early on, shall we say? And, and as you pointed out, there it hasn't even been up in two weeks. So I think there's plenty of time on Liverpool's side to, to get in who, who they want. I mean, Preno, it's no secret that you have in the past written a bit about Everton <laughs> and um, Everton's dealings this year have been strange in the fact that they've got everybody in very, very early on, whereas in the past that they've not more through accident rather than design, they've left everything to the last minute. Yeah. And that you. Look at the difference in the emotions from both sides of Stanley Park with the supporters, irrespective of how well they've done last season. Go If the season started tomorrow, you'd think Everton fans would be very buoyant, wouldn't they? But that's why Reds fans are getting a little bit frustrated and a little bit wound up, because the same what's happening across the park. I mean, Robbie Fowler uh, was quite vocal in you know, saying how well um, you know, so Everton had done compared to you know, sort of the clubs in the Premier League. And you've got Alan Stubbs clearly on a wind-up, saying that Liverpool fans <laughs> are jealous uh, of what's happening across the park. But, you know, when they see... Your closest rivals, you know, so spending on seven and eight players, you know, so early on, it does, you know, you know, create a little bit of unrest. Liverpool normally do, you know, have, in previous summers have done their transfer dealings uh, much earlier than this. But I understand why Jurgen Klopp is being patient. I mean, whereas Everton are trying to get lots of bodies in and you know, players of, of decent quality, Liverpool don't want decent quality. They want absolute top quality. You know, as Jurgen Klopp himself has said. He wants players that can improve on the squad he's already got. 
And, you know, this is a squad that finished fourth last season. And, you know, so it needs a very, very special footballer to actually improve on that. So Naby Keita, you know, is a top talent, which is why he's being targeted. Virgil van Dijk is about the most sought-after centre-back, you know, arguably in Europe, which is why he's being targeted. And there aren't many other players, you know, of that quality, you know, so elsewhere. So he's probably right uh, to wait, especially if it comes good in the end. And, you know, Southampton panic or... Leipzig have a change of heart, and you know, so those players do arrive. You know, okay, there might be a lot of furore, a lot of upset in the next two or three weeks, but if those two sign on the dotted line after the season has started, you know, Liverpool have played a couple of games, everyone's buzzing, everyone's happy. So it, it's it's a patient game that Klopp's playing, but you know, it could quite quite well be, you know, quite a sensible one. I mean, would you be worried if you were a Liverpool fan now? Um, no, not really, because it's still far too early to you know even think about things like that. As Paul says, you know, we've still got best part of a month yet before the season starts. And a, an awful lot can change. You normally take one big transfer you know, deal to actually act as like the domino effect and start others uh, to start, you know, so moving then. And you know, Jurgen Klopp knows who he wants. He's not going to compromise and he's not going to go in for a lesser player. So why should you worry about, you know, buying lesser players? You, you know, if Van Dijk's unavailable, um, you know, should you then accept somebody slightly, you know, not worse, that's the wrong phrase to use, but, you know, so not as good as that. And I don't think Liverpool should. So I wouldn't be worried now. James Prano mentioned about Liverpool are after the very, very top quality. And that's where it's become more difficult because the better a team gets, the more difficult it is to get in. There's obviously fewer players to go for and there's, there's only a select group of clubs who can go for them. But do you think Liverpool, look at the end of last season where they were running out of players quite easily. They do actually need more players anyway, don't they? They need to bring in some to bolter the squad, even if it isn't perhaps the quality of a Keiter or a, or a Van Dijk. Yeah, they do. Although I think, I think Klopp's right his approach this summer you know, being about quality rather than quantity just because we've seen it so many times in recent years where you know Liverpool have gone out and gotten an Aspas or an Alberto and you know you, it becomes like a false economy signing you know players like that for seven eight million quid and 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 hoping they'll come good and then you know inevitably they don't and then you end up you know what was supposed to be you know an, an untapped gem um, you, know, you end up farming them out on loan for a couple of years and then taking what you can for them. So I, th- I think I think the squad will be bigger anyway, just because of, of the young players that, that that made that leap in in the second half of last season. You know, people like Trent Alexander Arnold and Ben Woodburn. You know, they're not just you know a year on. They're not going to be coming up to Melwood occasionally. They are bona fide first team squad players now. And then you've got other players that have come back from from loans that will obviously over pre season be trying to forced their way into his, his plans. So I don't necessarily see squad size being a, a massive issue. It is more a couple of top-class signings to just so that, you know, as we said earlier on, so when you're in that position where you've got a midweek Champions League game, you can make two or three changes on the Saturday without thinking, God, you know, that is a significantly weaker lineup. And I think with both Van Dijk and Keiter, what will be interesting is at what stage do, do Liverpool you know, effectively say, all right, enough's enough, because there hasn't been any, you know, it is still early, but over the past month, you know, there's been no, no movement at all on either on either front. And, you know, Southampton absolutely adamant that, that Van Dyke is not going anywhere and, you know, 100% no way is he going to Liverpool. And obviously Leipzig, again, you know, repeatedly have come out and said there isn't an amount of money that will convince us to... To uh, to sell him, you know, on both of those counts, we know the players are desperate to join Liverpool. But you know, you you just think, you know, I know it's still early, but 
it's you know is that is that situation going to change? That's the slight concern for me. And then especially at centre back, if if you leave it too long, then you know who who else are you left with? Because you know, as we said before, it is a small pool of players Liverpool are trying to shop in, and it'll be even smaller if you know if come early August we're, we're still talking about well, the same Chelsea, thing. Chelsea have already given up on Van Dijk, haven't they? They signed a centre back, and I think City are after. I think it's Javi Martinez. I think of Bayern Munich. <clears throat> What's it going to take then for these two players to come to Liverpool? Because the onus is now on them, isn't it, really? It is, although I think they can only do so much. I mean, obviously there's been talk about Kaita potentially putting in a transfer request. What does that actually mean? It, well, I'm, not too, sure, I'm mean? not too sure it really does an awful... I mean, all, all it does is mean that if he, if he then gets, it, gets the move, you know, he basically relinquishes various bonuses and, and pay-offs and stuff. Doesn't that, doesn't that count? I think isn't there a rule? I don't know whether Prenner knows this in the Premier League, whereby that counts. But even if they then stay, they can't get the bonuses because they handed right. in the transfer request. Yeah, yeah, that does ring a bell. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but then, in, 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 but then looking at it from Leipzig's point of view, you know, again, I, they seem so entrenched that you know, you know, they're a new emerging force. They're desperate to not be seen as a club where you can just go and. And, and and take away their their big assets. You know they're the the main challenges to Bayern Munich, the, the closest rivals last season. And so you know I'm not even sure. You know you just you, that that probably is the best hope at the moment that those two players rocking the boat um, would then have a, a knock on effect where their club at the moment would think, do we really want to keep an unhappy player? Now, you know as with Luis Suarez and Arsenal, what was that four years ago? You know. He he rocked the boat as much as he possibly could. I remember being on tour with Liverpool when he was, you know, banished to to train on his own, and um, and obviously there was the bid from Arsenal that had come in, and he, you know even that didn't work. Because didn't he get talked round though to stay? Ultimately, he, he got, he ultimately got yeah. talked round, but Liverpool still weren't going to let him go. Liverpool still were still, you know, Liverpool were, were absolutely adamant, and I I think yeah, there was obviously Steven Gerrard played his part in terms of convincing him to knuckle down and stay but I think that was more already after Liverpool had already made made the call that regardless of how much of a stinky kicks up we're not selling you to one of our big rivals. I mean the other thing about Liverpool's business is the fact that there's been nobody going the other way either there's been no one on the way out and you'd have thought that perhaps by now at least one or two of these these players we, we can name them you know Moreno, Sacco, players like that, <clears throat> Markovic that they would have gone Paul are you surprised that no one's come in for them yet or is it because the selling the buying club now is in a strong position because they know Liverpool don't don't want them, so they'll just wait for as long as they can in the transfer window, so they don't have to pay the wages for those weeks. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I think most people know that Liverpool are actively looking to offload. You know, that, that those players you mentioned there, Moreno and Sacco in particular, Liverpool are looking for around forty-five million for the pair of them. Um, but clubs not, clubs know that, so maybe they're, they're just prepared to wait. Um, so it, it is a difficult one. Uh, but as we were saying, then about players, you know, Liverpool have identified early on who they want, and they've got like two or three players. But you look at the the substance that was at Palace, you know, the end of the end of April, there was Trent Alexander Arnold, Ben Woodburn, Ryan Brewster. I think the average age was nineteen, and Lloris Carrius brought that up by four years because he's twenty three. So, but the problem is, Liverpool are chasing quality over the quantity at the moment. Um, but quantity in this day and age. Of ridiculous transfer fees could mean an extra 125 million on four or five players who were just there just to boost numbers. So I think Liverpool have sort of um, nailed down who they're after first and foremost, and then everything else 
would, would follow after it, and that would possibly include offloading players as well. Prano, are you surprised Liverpool haven't got rid of anyone yet? Or do you feel as though, as, as Paul's kind of suggesting, that they may as well keep hold of them if nobody wants them, because they might end up having to use them? No, I don't think he will. I mean, you know, you think he's, he was quite, I wouldn't say cryptic in his comments about Sacco after the game last night. You know, let's wait and see. Uh, I think just wait and see who comes in for him. Um, Moreno, he seems to have a bit of a soft spot for, which has always bemused me a little bit, because, you know, so I, I can't quite see... <laughs> Yeah, the quality that you know he might suspect is there. Markovic clearly is destined for pastures new. Um, it just relies on people to come in and make offers. Um, everyone seems to have a lot of money now because of the uh, the transfer. So because of the uh, the TV deals, and so you know the clubs who are buying a cash rich Liverpool don't need uh, the money in. So you know they're in no rush to move them on. I think it's just a question of waiting, biding your time. It is going to be quite a long and frustrating transfer window, you know, even more. I'm not getting, you know, so sort of concerned by it. I know some fans are. But that's because that's because you've seen it all before. Possibly, you've possibly. But you know, there's there's plenty of time still to come, and that, that that's low on Jurgen Klopp's list of priorities. Trying to move players on. James, can I talk to you about Mamadou Sakho? I know that yeah. you always get an, an awful lot of interest <laughs> on social media whenever you mention him. So we may as well talk about him now. Uh, what do you see happening? I mean, Prenner mentions the cryptic comments then. After the game uh, last night at Tramia, was it just you didn't read anything into that really? No, I think he was just being diplomatic. To be honest, I think he was at the moment the fact that Sacco's still building up fitness from that knee injury he suffered at the back end of last season at Palace gives Klopp a bit of a get out clause in terms of why isn't he working with the squad. Um, I think I think the real the real indicator will be when Liverpool fly off to Hong Kong on Sunday because Sacco is is close to fitness. Um, now, you know, if he had any remote possibility uh, of, of getting back into the fold, then he would be on that trip. I, I don't see for a minute that he will be on that plane. I'd be amazed if he is. Um, I think he'll be he'll be left behind. Obviously, it was on the tour last year where um, where he so enraged Klopp with his uh, his attitude and indiscretions, not turning up for treatment sessions and t- turning up late for meals and nearly missing the plane. Um, this so, sounds like a normal tour to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know, I th- I think with with Sacco that there isn't a way back for him. I I I, I just can't see it. Which you know, it, but, but there is that interesting subplot that the longer it goes on with Liverpool not signing a centre half, you know, it will become a debate. The longer that Sacco's still there, and you know, if during pre-season Lovren does pick up another knock or Matip gets another knock, questions will be asked because people will be saying, well, hang on a minute, you know, why are you playing? You know, Clavan or Gomez, or whatever. When you've got who, who Liverpool regards as a thirty million centre half, because that's the price tag they put on Sacco, why are you not prepared to to at least give him a go? But I just think that that relationship had broken down, and certainly at the moment there hasn't been any signs that it's going to be it's going to be repaired. But the, the problem Liverpool have got is everyone knows they're desperate to get rid of Sacco. So, you know, well, they're they're quite they're, they are sticking by this thirty million pound fee, though, aren't they? Because yeah. they obviously see Michael Keane well, go think, to yeah, go you to can, Everton. Yeah, you compare you can everybody else it in a way, yeah. but then the difference was that Michael Keane was a in demand. Young, in, yeah. in demand that obviously Burnley didn't want to lose. The difference is that Sacco is not, and is, you know hasn't hasn't really played that much football over the last twelve months. You know, frozen out at Liverpool, um, you know, did well at Palace, um, but you know top clubs aren't queuing up for him, are they? I think you know he's still Palace is probably still the most likely destination for him. But you can see them thinking, well, well, we'll sit tight and hopefully we'll get him for 20, 25 at most, 
towards the end of the window. Now you mentioned talking about Liverpool paid for him. It's probably quite fair. You know, so I'm a little bit surprised that Liverpool are digging their heels in on this one. I would have thought they'd uh, try and move him on more quickly. But are they just being a little bit spiteful towards him? Do you think maybe? I don't know. I don't think the spite comes into it. I think it's just you know trying to drive a hard bargain. But you know, I, th- I think 30 million probably does overprice him a little bit. So I'm a little bit surprised. I think they'd accept you know sort of less than that, but clearly they're not going to. Now, James, we're losing you after the weekend. You're off to Hong Kong for for a week. That's nice view. First of all, have you had your injections? Not to go to Hong Kong, but to go to Wigan on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Because that'll be much more dangerous, I can guarantee. You expect more of the same then on Friday against Wigan in terms of the team lineup? Yeah, I think it'll be two two different lineups again. Um, You know, it'd be interesting to see whether Coutinho and Lalana play any part. I think Lalana came out earlier on in the week and said he was hoping to convince Klopp that he would get a run out. You know, both of them only returned on Tuesday. Which you know, usually you'd say that Friday would come too soon, but you know, I think I think the feeling was that they both come back in such good nick that they they may be ready to play play some part. And obviously, looking forward to seeing Mohamed Salah in a Liverpool shirt for the first time um, after his, his brief little trip to Paris this week to satisfy <laughs> those um, work permit regulations. You know, that's all that paperwork's done now. So you know, be all eyes on on Salah. Because you know, pro- that Who? Was Who? Sorry, Salah. Who? The, um, <laughs> Mo. Yeah. It's not called Mo. It's, not the, Mo. It's, it's Momo, if anything. Right. You know, I think that would generate a bit of excitement surrounding the game because it was a little bit underwhelming at Tranmere the fact that you know Solanke was the only new boy on show because um, usually you know you, you get a few in the early preseason friendlies. Although I must admit, you know, we didn't really speak about Solanke early on, but it was a an impressive start. Yeah, he looked he, he looked quite good, didn't he? Career. Yeah, I mean, he played a big part in the third goal with a neat turn and yeah. decent strike that led to Chirivella getting a tap in. Um, and yeah, I must admit, he's not a player I've seen a great deal of really. But you know, you you kind of sense that Liverpool must have got themselves a player just because how annoyed Chelsea were <laughs> at losing him, really. And then the fact that you know, when you think he walked away with the golden ball from the under twenties World Cup. Lionel Messi and Aguero have won that award previously. Um, no pressure. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and I think you know it was it was it was funny actually. Andy Kelly asked Klopp about Solanke and the lack of new signings afterwards, and I think he Klopp misinterpreted the question because I think he <laughs> Andy didn't. He, he said you've only made one signing plus yeah. Solanke. Which yeah. obviously, because obviously Solanke is viewed as one for the future, and Klopp took that as you know, you you don't recognise Solanke as a new signing, <laughs> and and uh, and like went walked away muttering about Andy and Solanke, um, but um, sounded like Solanke anyway. Yeah, yeah. but I think uh, clearly from what Klopp says, you know, he does see him having a you know a, a part to play in the senior. Oh, you were quite impressed, scene. mate. Because you saw the game last night, you were quite impressed with his performance. Yeah, I've seen quite a bit of him in the under twenties World Cup, um, and obviously last night. Was that sharp turn on the edge of the box where he managed to wriggle free and then got the shot off? It just looks like a bit of an, an all-action type of player. And he, he's only 19. Um, you know, if he was a similar age coming through the, the academy, there'd be a, a buzz about him. So um, I don't see why he can't sort of stake his claim for, you know, maybe a League Cup run out here and there next season or the FA Cup. Um, I think he'll turn out to be a, a decent signing. What's expected to be. Three million, something, something like that. In Preno, one player we haven't mentioned once, it must be a record until this point in a in a podcast, certainly talking about transfers, is Daniel Sturridge. Oh, and, you had to go and mention. Yeah, Daniel sorry, Sturridge. I had to mention him. But yeah. it's interesting, isn't it, that no one's now even considered considering that he's somebody who could be on his way. When 
let's be honest, up until three games before the end of yeah. the season, everybody yeah. thought, then the minute he comes back in, scores the goal against West Ham, has another good game against Middlesbrough, and everyone's like, oh, hang on, here he is. It, it, it's a strange one, Daniel Sturridge. I mean, he's such quality. I think you'd be daft to, to let him go. You know, why not keep him and just, you know, accept that he's only going to be available on, you know, intermittent occasions. But, you know, when he is, he's a great, you know, quality to turn to. Um, the number of Premier League clubs that will be interested in him, I don't know, the, the top clubs, you know, the absolute top three or four aren't going to take a chance, but he's been in a couple of them and, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, so yeah. I'm being moved on. Um, so you're looking at, you know, mid-table clubs, like your West Ham's maybe, that are looking to, you know, make that step further forward. Are they prepared to offer what Liverpool would want for him? I suspect not. I just think he's got such quality that, you know, Liverpool would be wise at keeping hold of him. And using him as and when they could. Liverpool don't need the money for him. And yeah. you just know if the if you offload him for twenty five million, yeah. he'll turn around and he'll stay fit for the season and he'll score twenty five yeah. million. He seems, he seems to want to stay as well, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I think that and I think that's the biggest thing. Because I must admit at the back end of last season, I thought he'd definitely go, but I thought it would be him forcing the issue rather than Liverpool because the message from Liverpool seemed to be that, you know, we're not looking to move him on, but you know, we don't want to keep someone if he's if he's not happy. But it's interesting the fact that you know not for one moment has Sturridge agitated for a move, and, and by that you mean, you know, I think previously there's been times where you've seen stories appear in parts of the media, and you thought, I, oh, you know, where's, you know, I think, I think I know where that might have come from. Yes. Um, and you, you know, talk about how unfairly treated he's been, and there hasn't, there's just not been a word of speculation or anything about his future, which, you know, probably partly as Preno said, is probably linked to the calibre of clubs that potentially come in for him. Um, he's probably because, seen because West Ham go. Yeah, I don't yeah, fancy exactly, that. He's far too <laughs> yeah. good for West Ham, and you know, as as Paul said, I think you know Liverpool have, have probably come to the conclusion that for what you'd get for him, you know, you're much better off keeping him, even if you only get 20 games out of him next season. Because you know, if you did offload him, the, the massive danger is he goes somewhere, stays fit, and scores 30 goals. And but it's still going to be an interesting dynamic because where does he fit into the team? Because you know, I think obviously Firmino is going to be the first choice, number nine. Um, of course, Liverpool need a strong squad, and you know, there's not many better second options in the Premier League than than Sturridge. But you know, it, is he is he if he you know if he stays fit, will there be enough football to to kind of keep a smile on his face? Finally, James, are you looking forward to Hong Kong? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's apparently it's 34 degrees, 80 percent humidity, and Torrential rain. Have you been before? The, I've never been to Hong Kong. It's, it's, before, it's, no. it's very good. You'll yeah. enjoy it. You'll enjoy it's, it. So um, it's a long way to go. We'll go and watch Crystal Palace play. It is. <laughs> but then who's the final against? Who's, who's the, is it still uh, Leicester? Leicester or West Brom? Leicester or West Brom? Yeah. The pewless derby. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it'd be good. I think, I think both games are, are sold out in, in double quick time. And you know, I think it's nearly 10 years, is it, since Liverpool ten years, Hong Yeah, Kong. 10 years, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, speaking to some members from the Hong Kong Reds tomorrow to. To uh, get get some kind of insight into what they've got planned over the course of the week, um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be good, and then back for a couple of days before uh, Bavaria is the next stop. That's all right for some, isn't it? Yeah, I thought you said you didn't like preseason games. Yeah, you don't have to go to them if like you don't the want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, join us next week where hopefully we'll have a word with James while he's over in Hong Kong. Cheerio. Ook bewust bezig zijn met je mobiel? Dat kan al voor 20,50 per maand met de Huawei P20 Lite. Nu met 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1000 MB 4G internet. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.